Good evening. Welcome. Welcome to Kingfisher Church live at five on our Sunday evening Bible study. I've just kept my camera slightly with me just that. And my name is Richard. I'm one of the leaders at Kingfisher Church. Um, whoever you are, and um, those I know and those I don't, um, it's very good to have you here today. Um, we are going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 24, verse 23 to 34. Um, I wonder if you think we have enough lip kissing in our churches these days. Well, we're not going to start there. Um, let's start here. We'll come to pray in a moment. We'll read the passage in a moment. But before we do, I want you to imagine with me um, a, a derelict church building. Um, a, a building has been long abandoned. It's, 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 it's gone into ruin. And, and, and as you picture that building, let's, let's think on the tail of that building. You see, once this was a building filled with people, it was uh, had the doors open, it was fresh, it was bright. But something happened to this building. And the, the thing that happened to this building was time. Time happened. It got worn out. Uh, something's got broken, kind of normal wear and tear. Uh, some of the decay was just slow, gradual kind of buildup of mould on the walls and a crack, a, a leaking sink, or um, the paint just beginning to flake away. And maybe nobody noticed it happening. Maybe they weren't really looking out for it. And maybe if they did notice, though, maybe they just thought it was somebody else's job. Well, anyway, this time happened more and more. Uh, the tale of that derelict church building is that no one cared to care for it. Now, of course, the church is not the building, which churches like ours that have no building are often reminded of, rightly so. The church is not the building, but that tale of the derelict building could equally describe the derelict church family. A, a group of believers who were worn out and ended up in disuse, unusable. And the reason? Nobody cared to care for it. Nobody noticed the cracks. And if they did, they assumed it was someone else's job. So I ask you, friends, will we learn the lessons of the wise? Our passage this evening, verse 32 says, I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. Now, will we take this attitude? take our hearts in hand and apply them to what we see? Will we learn the lessons from these sayings? Maybe we will, um, but we certainly won't without any help from above. So let's pray and ask for God's help as we consider his word. So we do that. God in heaven, we ask very much that you would help us. And please, would you Help us to apply our hearts to what we hear in your word. Please, would you speak to us? And by your word, would you challenge us and encourage us and help us to grapple with the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ? Lord, we look to you to do good to us as we spend this time in your word. Amen. Uh, let's read, shall we? Let's read our passage, uh, Proverbs 24, starting at verse 23. 
These also are sayings of the wise. To show partiality in judging is not good. Whoever says to the guilty, you are innocent, will be cursed by peoples and denounced by nations. But it will go well with those who convict the guilty, and rich blessing will come on them. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Do not testify against your neighbour without cause. Would you use your lips to mislead? Do not say, I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Well, where are we in, where are we in Proverbs? Um, this uh, Proverbs is a collection of the wisdom of King Solomon, and it is supplemented with the addition of Kind of wisdom from some others and so we've just come through the section chapter 22 17 to 24 22 which is called the 30 sayings of the wise and then if you just glance if you've got your bible open you glance to the beginning of chapter 25 we say we're picking up some more of solomon's proverbs but these were put together a long time after solomon in the days of king hezekiah and, and between these two bits the 30 sayings and then the hezekiah collection we have this kind of miscellaneous section you look how verse 23 begins. These also are sayings of the wise. But it means that when, when the book of Proverbs was put together, this kind of mini collection, which is our passage today, it, it was thought to fit rightly between the 30 sayings and the Hezekiah collection. And I think that just gives it a bit of cohesiveness and a bit of punch. So let's look. Let's enter our passage with a riddle. Uh, before I declared my intentions to Nicola, who is now my wife, um, we were friends. And as friends do, it was her birthday or Christmas, maybe a birthday, uh, I gave her a card. And in the card, I wrote a Bible reference. And, and the verse that I referred to was Proverbs chapter 24, verse 26. I thought that was funny. Um, apparently, uh, she tells me afterwards that she was massively perplexed trying to work out what on earth this meant. Uh, what I didn't know back then was that this verse is written back to front in our English translation. Uh, the verse actually begins with the riddle. It begins by saying, a kiss on the lips. Now, what's that intended to invoke as we hear that? A kiss on the lips. A kiss is an intimate engagement. It, it expresses love in a kind of an open, unreserved way. There's no, there's no hiding, there's no pretense. But when we read about kisses in the Bible, most often kisses are exchanged between close family members. Kissing the lips is only mentioned here. Um, but the, the idea of kiss on the lips is easy to grasp hold of, isn't it? It's a declaration of personal, devoted affection, an expression of something deep, something deeply relational. A kiss on the lips fizzes off the page. Uh, it fizzes off the page and I think it touches something quite deep within our souls. 
Uh, one of the hardest things over this last year has been how we are separated from those we love. We cannot embrace those we love. Kiss on the lips. It expresses personal affections. A kiss on the lips is, is what happens when you are known, there's no hiding, and you are loved. When you are known and loved. Uh, Tim Keller writes this, he writes, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear, but to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It's what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. A kiss on the lips. It's a lot like being loved by God. Because isn't that how God loves us? Psalm 103 says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He knows us. God knows all about our sin and he loves us. The psalm goes on and says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. He knows us. He knows how we're made. He knows our makeup. He knows our weakness. He knows that we are dust. And he loves us. Isaiah 40 says how the Lord carries his little ones close to his heart. He knows us. And he loves us and he embraces us. A kiss on the lips. But here in the proverb, this, this riddle is a snippet. It's just a little snippet. Now, the other day I was walking down the street and I walked past this kind of open garden. And I just got this mouthful of something beautiful, this scent. Maybe it was honeysuckle. I'm not quite sure. I can't quite identify the smell of plants very well. But it's just a sudden, a sudden a lungful of something beautiful and then it was gone just a little moment just a little snippet this riddle is a snippet of our deepest longing it's the embrace that we were made for we were made to be held in the arms of our heavenly father and be fully known and fully loved nevertheless of course though it's a riddle verse 26 it's asking what is like a kiss on the lips what kind of action displays that kind of affection? How do you know? How do you know that someone cares for you deeply? And, and the proverb says, an honest answer. Now, literally, one who returns straight words. Maybe that's something of an anticlimax. Uh, it's Valentine's Day next week. Um, and instead of, you know, say it with flowers, say it with chocolate. Here it is, say it with frank, straightforward speaking. Maybe, maybe, but these proverbs aren't given in, given in isolation. Uh, the, these proverbs are like drops of rain that fall and pull into a puddle. Uh, the sayings that we find in the proverbs um, fill each other up. So we have this riddle in verse 26, let's interrogate it. An honest answer, straightforward words, how does that idea grow with the verses around it? Uh, I don't know if you noticed in the reading that verse 23 to 29 are 
are mostly about truth speaking. You see that? And it just begins to kind of prod this question. Why would anyone not choose to give an honest answer? Because uh, we have a couple of examples in these verses uh, of ways that people speak falsely. Uh, first of all, we have refusing to speak about what is wrong. Comes in starts in verse 23. We're taken into a law court and it says to show partiality in judging is not good. Whoever says to the guilty, you are innocent, will be cursed by people and denounced by nations. But it will go well with those who convict the guilty and rich blessing will come on them. Okay, Are you might to forgive this one a little bit. Um, last week, we started watching a, a sitcom uh, called Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's not the first time we've watched it. It's about um, kind of an American detectives. Um, and um, one of the key characters, a guy called Jake, who was a bit of a rogue. And um, a new captain comes to his precinct and this captain's very strict. He's trying to get Jake into line. And, and as this is happening, one of the crimes that Jake investigates is this bout of vandalism against police property. Jake catches the criminal and he finds out that this criminal is the son of a powerful police chief. And the police chief comes to Jake and says, if you don't let him go, I will ruin you. There we have, we have it. That's what the proverb's talking about, isn't it? Should Jake show partiality? Should he avoid the truth and look at the... Uh, and uh, and instead kind of focus on some of the negative implications of him following the truth. If he says to the guilty, you are innocent, he will save his neck. But then in, in the episode, there's a very telling moment. This bad police chief who keeps kind of getting his son off the hook. Um, and he's, he's harming his son by doing that. His son's life is spiraling out of control. He never gets called to account. But this, this bad police chief is contrasted with Jake's captain who won't let Jake off the hook. And he won't do it because he cares for him and he wants the best for him and he wants him to grow and to learn and to develop. So speaking truth and sticking to it can put us in a vulnerable position, but that position is the most loving position. And the, the focus on these verses is about speaking truth about the wrong. Now, the counterpoint is it will go well with those who convict the guilty. And so we have to begin to ask ourselves, will we speak truth about what is wrong? So refusing to speak about what is wrong is the first danger. The second one is refusing to speak about what is right. Uh, in verse 28, we're, we're not in the position of a judge anymore. We're in the position of a witness. It says, do not testify against your neighbour without cause. Would you use your lips to mislead? And then we might think, but what if I have a cause? No, no, what if my cause is that my neighbour has been terrible to me? Verse 29, do not say I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. See, when, when, when someone misleads or, or lies, <laughs> doesn't speak truthfully, when someone doesn't use straightforward words, they're using the person about whom they are speaking. They're, 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 they're holding the person down with a manipulation of the truth. And why would someone choose not to return an honest answer? And why would someone refuse to speak about what's wrong or, or refuse to speak about what is right? At the heart of all these things is a lack of love. 
because it's the kiss on the lips. That's the person who returns straight words. Uh, what are these straight words within the context? It is speaking truthfully about what is wrong, being able to call bad, bad and good, good, and being speaking truthfully about what is right instead of using words to pull people down. Now, verse 27 develops it a bit further. We get another picture in verse 27. It says, put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. It's common sense. It's saying, do the first things first. It's saying, don't build your house until you've secured the things that are needed to sustain the household. Do the first things first. Well, what does that mean when we're thinking about truth speaking? Well, I think simply it's saying, if someone's to use straightforward words, straightforward words are timely words. You don't hold back. You don't busy yourself with distractions. Truth speaking is timely. Truth spoken too late is often little help. But, but I think verse 27 is doing something a bit more. I think verse 27 is, is moving us into the context of life building. So we have in verse 27 a young man who is, is, is starting out in life. He needs to build a home. He needs to build a place for his family. Uh, but the proverb says, um, you must give your priority to the resources needed to sustain your household. See, straightforward words, truth speaking, is the foundation. It's the first things first of building a life, of building a community. And actually, we see a bit of that in verse 24 and 25. Here we have the person who distorts the truth, the first person who refuses to speak about what is wrong, will be cursed by peoples and denounced by nations. There will be public harm. But when the truth is upheld, it will go well. There'll be rich blessing on them. Okay, let's, um, let's kind of take stock. But, but verse 26 gives us this riddle, a kiss on the lips. Now, we're thinking, well, what kind of action would display that affection? What how do you know that someone cares for you deeply? Uh, and the answer is uh, somebody who returns straight words, an honest answer. Truth speaking is, in a sense, lovemaking. But speaking truthfully about what is wrong, in that way, communities are built, communities are blessed. And, uh, and I guess they're built and blessed because such a community is a network of deep personal care, of lip kissing. And that is generally right. But we want to get our hearts in hand and apply them to what we see. So, so, so let's really push ourselves into this by getting in focus what community this best applies to. I've already said a kiss on the lips is a lot like being loved by God, fully known, fully loved. And isn't it by truth speaking that God envelops us into his embrace? Now, this is what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. Uh, in, in Ephesians chapter one, he writes, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. God, as it were, returned straight words to those living in Ephesus. Uh, and they heard it, the message of truth. God didn't kind of pretend that they didn't have any guilt. 
Instead, God said to them, you were dead in your sins. The full nature of your depravity is that you are by nature deserving of wrath. That was their message that they heard, that their sin was huge and they faced the judgment of God. And God didn't pull his punches when he brought that message to them through the apostle. But they also heard of the great love with which he loved them. They also heard about how the blood of Christ had been shed for the forgiveness of their sins. They heard about these riches of grace that had been lavished on them. And as they heard these straight words, as they heard this message of truth, they believed and were included in Christ. They were kissed on the lips, embraced in deep personal intimacy by the God who knows them and loves them. And how the the God who in Christ opens up to them every spiritual blessing. The truth speaking, the message of truth that opens glorious fellowship with God. And isn't that how he's spoken to you? And if you believe on the name of Christ, isn't it because you heard the message of truth? You didn't hear a message about your own worthiness. You heard that you were guilty. You heard that you were so deep in sin and guilt. And then you heard that Christ's blood was shed for you. You heard that there is this love which is so unlike any other love you have ever known. A love where he knows how wicked we are. And he still chooses to raise us. He still chooses to raise us up and to place us in glory. He still chooses to, by grace through faith, he chooses to lavish blessings thickly on us in Christ. Fully known, fully loved. Uh, And we're not saved in isolation. We're saved into a community, into a family, into a church. So so later in Ephesians, in Ephesians 4, Paul writes, speak truthfully. You've heard the message of truth. God spoke truth to you. And now you must speak truth to others. And And with that, our passage in Proverbs flies up into our faces. Because we've got these ideas of truth speaking ringing in our ears and we come to verses 30 to 34. Come with me into these verses. Walk with this wise teacher. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. And whenever we come across the sluggard in Proverbs, we should um, apply the lesson of the sluggard to the matter in hand. You see, verse 33 is is repeated back in chapter six, but the context shapes the application. Now, of course, yes, there is a lesson here. And for farmers, farmers should work hard at the right time. Otherwise, they risk losing everything. But we're we're reading this on the back of thinking about how truth speaking builds community. And for us, God has spoken truth to us. God has spoken the saving news of the gospel of Christ. And so we are to speak truthfully to one another. In fact, the speaking of truth is so important. Uh, that Paul writes in Ephesians 4, he writes to the church, he says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. The church of Christ grows as each of us speak truth in love. 
and what does that mean? Well, well, the love in Ephesians 4 is not so much the manner of speaking, but the content of it. So the first three chapters of Ephesians set out the message of truth. And the message of truth is a message of God's immense, indescribable love for us in Jesus Christ. That's what we are to keep speaking to one another. That's how the church will grow, speaking the truth in love. And with that, our passage in Proverbs helps us. The sluggard challenges us. Now look at the sluggard's field. Consider his vineyard. Imagine it in your mind's eye, covered in weeds with the wall fallen down, gone into ruin. Why? Because he sat back and did nothing. See, through truth speaking, communities are built and blessed. And then we think on this field that is neither, neither built nor blessed because someone didn't care to care. Now notice then how in verse 34, it turns to look us in the face. It speaks to you, your poverty, your lack. And we are asked, what will you do about this? Now verse 34 says, like a thief, like an armed man. Well, our situation, more than the field of the sluggard, is under threat of attack. Back in Ephesians again, in Ephesians 6, it caused the church to stand against the devil's schemes, against the devil's plots to undermine the church, against the devil's attacks to cover the church with thorns and weeds. How do we stand? Well, when we are negligent in truth speaking, when we neglect to speak truth in love to one another, when each part of the church fails to do its work, we are opening the gate to the thief. Now, the, the passage we have in Proverbs puts the emphasis on speaking the truth about sin. So let's just think as we, as we come to a close how to pull it together um, with, with two things, two things for us to take away and pray into. The, the first thing for us to take away and pray into is, is that we are to feel the responsibility, feel the responsibility to talk straight about sin. I remember the derelict church I mentioned at the beginning, like the sluggard's field, overgrown, useless, ruined. Imagine and then ask yourself, what has God given to stop that happening to Cambridge? Uh, Ephesians 4 tells us Christ has given people to minister the word of God uh, and and he's done it so that each of us can be equipped and at the heart of the equipping this is what Ephesians 4 says Ephesians 4 15 at the heart of the equipping is speaking the truth in love that's how we will grow and if we don't we will not grow if the sluggard slumbers his field will not be tended. Can you think, well, why would Christ do it like that? I wonder, maybe because growth is becoming like him and he is the great truth speaker. And so that means that when we say, I didn't notice the cracks, or, or when we do notice, but we just assume it's someone else's job, we are playing out verse 33 
a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. It's not good to ignore sin. It's not good to imply that it doesn't matter. It's not good to say the guilty are innocent. So that means that in our relationships with one another, mustn't we learn to be candid? To, mustn't we learn more and more how to warn one another about the dangers of sin? Mustn't we learn more and more how to be accountable to one another? And in our relationships with those outside of the church, mustn't we just take great care that we don't mislead other people by avoiding the talk of sin? We must feel the responsibility to talk straight about sin. And as I say this, I wonder how you're reacting to this challenge. I wonder if you feel the weight of the observation of the sluggard's feelings. Can you imagine in your mind's eye the destination of a church community that is not diligent in truth? And then what about you? And what do you need to do with this? What, what, what's the next thing for you? What is for you to pray about? Okay, just noticed that my camera's frozen and I've been muted. So could well have just been talking to myself. Not quite sure where I'm at. Um, okay. Well, golly. Um, I, what I'm trying to talk about is how we are to feel the responsibility to talk straight about sin. I'm asking how we are responding to that challenge. Um, don't know if you've got any of that. And um, the second thing, though, that I would like us, that I think I'd like us to um, take away and to pray into is that we are to kiss the lips. Uh, we're not to speak truth in order to tear people down. Um, but like verse um, 29, that's what happens in verse 29, isn't it? We are to speak the truth about sin to bring restoration that's the way we want to do it we want to speak plainly because truth speaking is in a sense love making so so when we when we talk about sin when when we try to find those straightforward words we, we want to be doing that in the context of building loving embrace uh, the bonds of our community are bonds of love so we speak the truth in love that is, we, we, we only ever want to speak about sin in the context of the gospel. We, ne we never want to be pointing out sin to bring people down. We, we want to uh, talk about sin because we want to remind people of the great love with which God has loved us. We want to talk about sin because we want to be drinking together at the fountain of Christ and know together the joy of sins forgiven. We want to talk about sin because we know that in Christ we have one who saves us from our sins. And I, and I wonder what you think the atmosphere of our church family is. Now, I wonder what you, what you think about how we, how we relate to one another. I wonder how freely we are to, we feel we can talk about sin. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer 
wrote that the pious fellowship, pious in a bad way, the pious fellowship permits no one to be a sinner. So everybody must conceal his sin from himself and from the fellowship. We dare not be sinners. But the fact is that we are all sinners. In the pious fellowship, in the pious fellowship, there is no kissing on the lips. In the pious fellowship, there is no fully known and fully loved. Because in such a fellowship, the love of God has been refused for a poor imitation. So brothers and sisters, let us seek to know the love of Christ. Let's seek to know the love of Christ in all of its glorious dimensions. Let's plead daily that we would know the embrace of Christ, that kiss on the lips, those arms of love that are so wide and so high and so deep that surpass knowledge. And let's seek that this love would flow between us. Let's seek for us to be so confident in grace that we dare to be sinners. We dare to recognize sin in ourselves and sin in others. We dare to call it out. We dare to call bad what is bad because we know that we are held in the embrace of the one who knows us fully and yet loves us even more. And would you pray for that? Let's pray now. Our Father in heaven, we praise you that you know us. You remember how we are formed. You remember we are dust and you know our sin better than we do. And yet you love us, you love us and you love us in Christ with such a great love. Praise you that you do embrace us into your love. And you do it by truth speaking. Lord, please, would you help us to learn to speak truthfully, to, truly to one another, to speak truth to one another. Help us to be bold to speak about sin uh, because we stand firm in the grace of Christ. Please may we be speaking truth to one another that we might grow together into the likeness of our Saviour. Amen. Thanks very much for joining us this evening. Um, I think we are on again next week. Uh, may you know God's blessing. Good night.